I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 16. And uh, we're going to look at verse 23. And we're going to take up where we left off on Sunday morning about what is in this glorious, wonderful, matchless name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. And so just by way of review, in John 16 and 23 and 24, he says, And in that day you'll ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto or up till now have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I love what the Amplified says that our Father will grant to you whatsoever you shall ask the Father in the name of Jesus. So there's answered prayer in his name. There's grants gloriously given from our Father in heaven in his name. This name which is above every name. And then he says now, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Not only is there answered prayer in his name, but there's joy in the name of Jesus. When you get your prayers answered, and when God comes through for you, there is joy in your life. Now, we know that there's joy in our lives at all times, but how many of you know it's just awesome to get a breakthrough when the manifestation comes and your joy is full? Now, you can act joyful before the manifestation, and you can get happy before, amen, the walls fall. But there's answered prayer and there's joy in the name of Jesus. And then there's authority in his name. Turn back to John chapter 14. And we notice a couple of things here that he said concerning the name. Now in John 14, 13 and 14, he's not really talking about prayer. It's just so much as he is talking about making a demand and enforcing Satan's defeat in that glorious name, the name of Jesus. In John 14, verse 13, he says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. That word ask there literally means to demand. Now, we do not demand anything of our Heavenly Father, but we can certainly demand Satan and his cohorts and his demonic forces to desist in their maneuvers against our lives, against our nation, against our babies, against our church. Amen? So he says, whatsoever you shall ask or demand in my name, what will happen? That will I do. In other words, he will back up what you demand. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, he said, whatever you shall bind on earth. In other words, whatever you shall stop, whatever you shall prohibit, whatever you shall not permit here on earth, the Bible says, I will back you up in heaven and not allow it to penetrate your life. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it shall be loosed in heaven. Is there anything that comes your way sometimes that needs some binding? That needs some stopping? That needs some authority? Well, rise up and take the mighty name above every name, the name of Jesus, and refuse to permit Satan and his demonic forces to infiltrate your life in any way, fashion, or form. Amen. 
Whatever you bind, whatever you bind. And then he said, whatever you loose. Are there some things that need to be loosed in our lives? How about some angelic spirits, some ministering spirits? How about you folks, you might need a little finances loosed. How about a little favor loosed? How about blessing loosed? Whatever you shall loose on earth, he says, I'll back you up in heaven because I am the father of all blessing and I'm good to my children. But he is waiting for us to rise up and take our authority. You see, oftentimes people are waiting on someone else to take authority for them, waiting for something sovereign to happen. Well, I believe in the sovereignty of God, but not to the degree where we, where we have a case sera sera attitude. Whatever will be, will be. It's all good. All that kind of stuff is just a bunch of doubt and unbelief, and it disempowers the believer. God in His sovereign will has chosen to give you authority. God in His sovereign will has chosen to give you His name. Say it with me. His name, His name is, above is above every name. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I put a stop on all demonic forces that would be assigned against my life. I bind it. I stop it. And I loose all of heaven's resources. I loose the ministering angels all around my life. So there's joy in the name. There's protection in the name. There's authority in their name. Hallelujah! The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. We do not have to be wimps and weak people. We can rise up and be bold, not in our own strength, but be bold in His name. And there is safety in his name. Proverbs 18.10 says this, that the name of the Lord is our strong tower. And the righteous run into his name. Those who are consistently walking uprightly before God, those who are walking in their righteousness, they'll run into his name and they will be the safest of the safe. Glory to God. The name above every name is our strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are safe. So there's boldness in the name. There's victory in the name. There's reigning in life in His name. Look with me over at Romans chapter 5. And we'll notice in verse 17. It just seems good in these days to talk about his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans, the fifth chapter. And we notice this great, wonderful verse in verse 17. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. And of course, that's talking about Adam. Amen. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Not when they get to heaven. Not in the sweet by and by. But we shall reign in life by one 
Jesus Christ. Now I'm telling you what, that verse of scripture will preach. So let's think about it just for a moment. Amen? The Amplified Translations and several other translations at the end of that verse in Romans 5.17 says this, that we shall reign as kings in life. Reign as kings in life. So then we could ask the question, what are we to reign over? Now when you are reigning over something, that means that you have dominion over it. You know, when a king reigns, where the word of a king is, there's power. Somebody says, well, I'm not a king. You're wrong. The Bible says in Revelation, he has made us kings and priests unto God. Now, you ain't the king, but you are one of the kings that he's the king of. And you're one of the priests that he's the priest of. Amen? And so, let us establish this. That we are not to be run over in life. Or we are not to be rained on, R-A-I-N-E-D, rained on in life. But we are to reign, we are to triumph in this life. So, help me out a little bit. What are we to reign over? Somebody help me. Circumstances. Poverty. How about sin? How many of you know that sin does not need to reign over us anymore? What we've yielded to in the past, we don't have to yield to in the present. Because the Bible says in Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not, I know I'm preaching, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under the grace of God. So circumstances, Don said poverty, amen. What else? Sickness and disease, fear. Someone mentioned fear. Who mentioned fear? We're not to be run over by fear because God's not given us a spirit of fear. So now notice this once again in Romans 5, 17 at the very end. It says, receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, we shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now let's go over to Colossians chapter 1. And notice with me in verses 12 and in verse 13. Very familiar scriptures, but scriptures that will feed your heart tonight. Feed your faith and nourish you up and strengthen you for the rest of the week and all through the weekend. Amen? And even until tomorrow morning at least. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. Notice this, it says, giving thanks, where? I wonder, does the Father, (laughs) is He worthy of our thanksgiving? I think we ought to just give Him thanks right now. Come on, let's give Him some thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the victory. Giving thanks unto the Father. Now, notice this. Which has made us meet. Now, meet's an old, old English word for the word able. What this literally is saying, he has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm not a saint. Well, you sure ain't an ain't. Before you were born again, you were an ain't. 
But when you get saved in the mind of God and in the eyes of God, you become a saint. Now, I know that runs crosswise with some of your upbringing. I grew up in a Catholic church, and I thought that saints were just for a select few people, and you had to go through all sorts of things and all sorts of rituals to become a saint. But literally, all you've got to do is be washed in the blood and be translated from Satan's kingdom over into God's kingdom, and he calls you a saint. Amen. Saint Mark. Saint Tony. Saint Raul. Amen. I like Mark better. It's got more of a Christian theme to it. (laughs) All right. Now notice 13. This is shouting ground tonight. Who has not going to. You know, these folks that are running around looking for deliverance when they've already been delivered are wasting their time. Cast this out of me. Cast this out of me. Cast this out of me. No, it's difficult to cast the flesh out. A lot of what people call demonic forces are really fleshly forces acting up. Anyway, that won't cost you anything extra. Verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, now notice, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so verse 13 then begins to tell us about our inheritance. First we're delivered, amen, and now we've been brought into his glorious kingdom. Listen, instead of Satan reigning over us, we're to reign over him. Too often, spirit-filled Christians are ruled and dominated by fear and demonic forces. Let's rise up, what do you say? And take advantage of what belongs to us as children of the Most High God. I think that we could say of Romans 5, 17, I think we could say where it says that we shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ, I think we could fully say that we are reigning in life through the name of Jesus. The name above every name. We really have a treasure without even realizing it. You know, people ask questions like, well, does the name of Jesus really belong to the church? And if it does, what good is it? A lot of people think the name of Jesus is just to be adored and praised. And we do adore and we do praise the name of Jesus. But that's not the only purpose for his name. It was given to you and given to me for our benefit. Now, I talked about this just a little bit Sunday morning, but I really feel impressed in my heart to just cover this just a little bit more carefully tonight. And that is this, that there is healing in the name. There is healing in the name. Say that with me. There is healing in the name. Now there must be healing in the name. There must be. Look at Mark chapter 16 and and let's drive this home in verse 18. There's got to be healing in his name. In Mark the 16th chapter... Of course, where he is commissioning the saints and really commissioning us as the body of Christ. He says, you'll take up serpents and if you drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. And then notice what he says. They, and he's talking about believers, 
in my name, they shall, believers, lay hands on the sick. And what shall they do? They shall recover. Now, the whole context of the Great Commission is you go in my name. You go in my name. And in my name, you lay hands on the sick. And guess what? The sick will recover. Did you know that you're not the healer? That he's the healer? But did you know that you are his hands in the earth? And we pray a lot, oh Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Stretch forth your hand to heal. He has stretched forth his hand to heal. And he's placed healing in the hands of the body of Christ. And you have the authority to go in his name. And simply put your hands upon people in the name of Jesus. And watch Jesus do some awesome, great things. They shall recover. They shall recover. We could shout it from the housetops tonight. Hey, there's recovery in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not against 12-step programs. I went through a 12-step program. I was in a 12-step program for months. I was in a state institution. Never thought I'd get out of the state institution. Thank God the sun set me free. And I thank God for the principles that I learned through the 12-step program. But at the end of the day, recovery and freedom from addiction and freedom for pornography, total freedom is in His name. Come on, let's just say it again. It's in His name. There's recovery in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Glory. The only beef I have with 12-step programs is they say, you know, this plant could be your higher power. There's no deliverance in this plant. There's no deliverance in that microphone. There is only deliverance in Him and through Him and by Him, the name of Jesus. So I stuck with the program and I worked the program, but all the time, Jesus was my Lord. And Jesus was the one that was taking me through. And Jesus was the one that was keeping me off of needles and off of drugs and off of all sorts of junk. Only Jesus. I can remember Jim Caseman was my pastor. Just had a wonderful meeting with him yesterday on the phone and Keith Hershey and Tony Cook and Ingrid and Brenda and I. But I can remember going to AA and then going to NA. AA is Alcoholics Anonymous and NA is Narcotics Anonymous. And it was good. I'm not putting it down. But I got to a point where I'd worked the program. And I saw that I was free. But I knew that if I was going to stay free, I knew that I needed to stay in the Word. And I knew I needed to be filled with the Spirit, not every other week, but every day. I knew that I needed to draw near to God with all of my heart and fellowship with other Christians of like mind and like faith and immerse myself in the kingdom of God. And I did that, and only then 
was I able to move forward and thank God for the help I got. We're not against getting help from medical science. We're not against getting help from programs. But when you come to a place where you look at Him and you're serious about Him, you know that only Him can do for you what you could never do for yourself. See, the Bible says this in Galatians 5. He says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Hallelujah. I just saw that just like a beam of light. There's recovery in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And people in our society are hurting. There's no question about it. There's people that go through some absolute tragic things from divorce to physical abuse to sexual abuse to all sorts of things that hell would throw their way. And they're hurting. And we praise God for classes like divorce recovery and grief recovery. It's wonderful. It's good. But with the Christian perspective that, look, you may be going through this valley of the shadow of death, but you're going to make it through because Jesus has got you by the hand and He's going to lift you up and you are going to experience a full recovery. Everyone say full recovery in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So there's got to be healing because he said, lay hands on the sick in my name and they'll recover. There's got to be healing because at the gate, beautiful Peter said, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Do what? Immediately his ankle bones received strength and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Don't you know that man was happy? Happy, happy, happy. Because there's healing in the name. There's power in the name. There's authority in the name. Religious people got upset, got mad. The guy that was blind said, I only know this. I once was blind, but now I see something good happened to me. It was because of the name. And so faith in his name is the same as Jesus is the same. We know in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Well, his name is the same. His name is the same yesterday. His name is the same today, and it will be the same forever. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. We've been singing a song in this church called No Other Name, and I love it, don't you? There's just something about that name. In Acts 4 verse 12, it says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby... We must be saved. So that name of Jesus is salvation. Now when we think of the word salvation, or when a lot of people think of the word salvation because they've been trained that way, they automatically think salvation is only talking about the remission of sins. The new birth. But how many of you know that's only part of salvation? And if that's as far as people think, that's great, that's glorious, but it's limiting God. 
Now, in the Schofield Reference Bible, Dr. Schofield was a good Baptist. He points out the full meaning of the word salvation. In the following footnote of Romans 1.16, where it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Dr. Schofield points out that the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation, now listen, implies the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Say that with me. Deliverance, Deliverance. safety, Safety. preservation, Preservation. healing, Healing. and soundness. And And then he concludes by saying this. He said that salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel gathering into itself all of the redemptive acts and processes. So we could say with full confidence tonight that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto deliverance. That the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto safety, unto preservation, and unto soundness, and unto divine healing. When the Word of God says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, it's not just talking about the new birth. It's also talking about the healing for your body. The healing for your body. There is healing in no other name. Now, we need to know that. We need to know that our physical bodies and the the price has been paid for us to be healed. Not only did he bear our sins, but he also bore our disease. Now, I want to remind you of a few scriptures, and it might seem elementary to some of you. But I have discovered this, dear friends, that faith does not come by having heard. I may have heard something wonderful and glorious yesterday in the area of healing, but how many of you know we need our daily bread? Man shall not live on yesterday's manna, but men and women shall live by every word of God. So let's rehearse this in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Let me read it to you. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs, literally Hebrew is sicknesses, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. Say the last phrase with me. And with his stripes, with his stripes we are healed. And then look at Matthew 8:17 in the last part of that verse. Matthew 8:17 simply says this: Himself. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken, Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, and what? What He took, we need not take. What He bore, we need not bear. The Lord spoke to me something yesterday, or a few days ago, about this verse in 1 Peter 2.24. So, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. I mean, you know, the Lord will shoot straight with you. I mean, he'll, if you need to line up, he'll tell you you do. And, and he gave me a word. And I, I'm going to tell you what it is because maybe it will apply to you. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says this. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on what? Calvary. That's Calvary, right? Yeah. That we might be dead to sins and that we should live unto what? 
And then notice with me, by whose stripes? By his stripes you were healed. Fred Price says, you were, you are, you is. If you were healed, you are healed, you is healed. Amen? Now, traditionalists and theologians who do not believe in divine healing as part of the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the Calvary will tell you that where it says, by his stripes you were healed, is really talking about spiritual healing. Have you heard that before? That's really discussing spiritual healing. That, that's not a, a twofold redemption. That's just rehearsing the fact that you were delivered from your sins and you were healed spiritually. How many of you know when you get born again, you don't get healed here? You get new here. <laughs> you become a new man. You don't become a healed man. You don't become a restored man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation Old things are passed away, and behold, all things, I can shout, all things are become new. New you. Not a healed you, a new you. Amen. Here's what the Lord impressed me with. I was looking at these scriptures the other day, and I was quoting them and thinking about them, and by his stripes you were healed. The Lord said, are you? It shocked me. Are you? And then he says, then act like it. Act like it. Act like you're healed. Carry yourself like you're healed. If you believe you're healed, and if you believe you were healed, in spite of reports, in spite of pain, in spite of difficulties, what the Lord was instructing me to do my best to act like I was. Amen. Now, how does one act like they're healed? Well, one, one must talk right. Come on now. One must think right. Amen? Because when there are things that come against you, the enemy would like to take your thoughts captive. And that's where it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that... Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Bringing into captivity every what? Thought. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen? And so, if we were healed, we must talk like we're healed, think like we're healed, and act like we're healed. In other words, force your mind to think the thoughts of God. Force your inner man to stay focused on your redemption. It's like what Proverbs says. He said, my son, he said, attend to my words. Amen? Attend to my words. Then he said, incline your ear to my sayings. Keep them in the midst of your what? Heart. For they, my words, are life to those that what? Find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Amen? But the Word does not become medicine to all of our flesh without our attention, without our inclination, Mm -hmm. and without our guarding our hearts and guarding these different gates where the enemy likes to penetrate thoughts, imaginations, Mm -hmm. and images. So I don't know if that helps you, but it helps me. Now, I've been preaching this gospel for about 37, 38 years. 
And the Lord reprimanded me. You are, huh? Yes, I am. Then act like you are. <laughs> well, if the shoe fits, you might want to put that on. It may apply to you in a different area. Your needs are met, huh? My God supplies all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, do I? Yes, you do, Lord. Then act like your needs are met. Amen? Amen. You can't act like your needs are met and go around poor-mouthing. You can't act like your needs are met and talk about how big the needs are. The needs may be big, but it would behoove us and pay rich dividends to talk about how much bigger our God is. How big is our God? Hallelujah. He's big. Isn't he, John? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power of God that's working in us. Well, I don't know whether I'm helping you or not tonight, but I am doing myself a load of... (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if we were taught concerning healing in the name of Jesus, like we are taught in what we call salvation in the name of Jesus, there wouldn't be any doubt about it. We would have an unconscious faith in healing like we do in the remission of sins. Amen? Did Jesus bear your sins? Are you a new creation? Did he not blot out your transgressions for you for his own sake? Didn't he tell you that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us? Did you know that you cannot measure the east from the west? If you head east, you'll just keep going. Now, if you head north, eventually you'll be heading south again. But if you had, there, there is no limit as far as the east is from the west. Woo, glory. Amen. Amen. And he also said that he's going to cast your sins in the depths of the sea. So if you put Isaiah 43:25 and Micah 7:19 together, you will find that God has hidden your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. And just like Corey Ten Boom said, don't go fishing for them. Don't go fishing for them. Amen. And so what sometimes the enemy will do in our thought life is he will bring a photograph to our mind of something we've done in the past. Anybody ever seen that photograph? How many of you ever have seen a photograph from you in the 80s or 90s? You looked quite different, didn't you? I saw some photographs of me in the 70s and I went, ah! That doesn't even look like me. Well, you know what? It was before I was saved and now I'm a new me. And so the enemy bring, bring, bring photographs of your past, but now you're a new man in Christ. And so sickness really comes from the same source that sin comes from. How many of you know it doesn't come from heaven? It doesn't come from above. It comes from beneath. Listen to what E.W. Kenyon said. I want to quote him tonight in closing for a moment. He said this in his book, The Wonderful Name of Jesus. And if you can get that book, it's probably the best book ever written on the name of Jesus. He said this, When he gave us right to use his name to heal the sick, it was simply that we might bring on the scene, by use of that name, the fullness of his finished work, 
And that the afflicted one might know that in the use of that name, the living, healing Christ was present. It's not trying to believe. It's not trying to take our healing. He said this, Believing becomes unnecessary in the modern sense of the term. The healing is yours, and his name makes it available to you. Mr. Kenyon goes on to say that name is ours, and in that name is all help, all victory, all power, all health. And then he says, do not, do not try, do not struggle, just use it. Use that name with the same freedom that you use your checkbook. On payday, I might add. The money is on deposit. You write the check without exercising any special faith, hopefully. That is, you are unconscious of exercising it. Amen? And so in the name of Jesus, you do exercise faith, but it is the unconscious faith, the faith that is born in upon us by evidences that convince us beyond any shadow of a doubt. He said, any other kind of faith is abnormal. He said, at the second coming of Christ, it will not require any act of faith on our part to be translated, will it? Neither will it require any effort to receive immortality. We shall simply, glory to God, be made immortal. We shall be translated. He goes on to say, that is in the plan, the eternal program of God. It will not require any special faith to be resurrected. The resurrection is in the program. What about God's program for today? He goes on to make this observation. If we understand his program for today, the sick would simply be healed the moment sickness and disease touches them. Look at Romans 8.11. Amen? Romans 8.11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Does He dwell in you tonight? Amen. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. He shall heal your mortal body by His Spirit that dwells in you. I believe this, that the church could walk in Romans 8.11. Listen in closing. One of the reasons for his indwelling presence is to heal our physical bodies of the, the, the diseases that are continually attaching themselves to us. When we understand this, we shall not be trying to exercise faith for healing or any other need. We'll simply recognize that this healing is part of the program. Amen? The Bible tells us that we can be quickened in our spirits when we get born again, but we can also be quickened in our bodies when we need healing. Amen? And that's part of taking our place in Him and walking in full health and strength in His name. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, it's good to be in church. It's good to get fed, isn't it? I got fed tonight myself. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, He that watereth shall be watered also. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a good one coming on Sunday morning. I feel a good service coming on all day Sunday. I'm telling you, there's a flood coming. 
There's a flood of glory. There's a flood of anointing. There's a flood of power. Woo! It's a coming. It's a coming. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're just going to shout all the way home.